Welcome to the Kingdom Culture Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this spirit-filled message that it blesses your week and brings you joy and perspective. To connect with us, hop on social media and for more information, head to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. Part four of the story. (laughs) So part four of the story of Jesus is through the eyes of Matthew, as you know. So Matthew, a tax collector, was considered scum by his own people. He was a tolerated scum by the Roman overlords. And what we see from the first seven chapters of Matthew, we have a declaration that Jesus Christ was Emmanuel, God with us. No matter if we see ourselves as scum or the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, he's still with us. God is with us. That is the announcement of the first few chapters of Matthew. And that's the good news of the gospel right there. God is with us. And he is, and it's just so wonderful because what, it, what where Jesse Rose was this morning talking through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, it really what he was saying was, I'm no, I'm no longer approachable by the law. I've done away with that law and you can come and have communion with me, the Father, through Jesus Christ The son, he's no longer unapproachable because of the law. He's no longer the God that's hidden away behind the curtain in the temple. He's a God that you have access to, that we have access to. And that is amazing. That should have you jumping in your seats. Because Jesus declares that through the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. You see, he says all the things like the law and everything that you're trying to do, that can't restore you to relationship with the Father. You come to the Father through me. Relationship with me and Jess led us through real it was an excellent word and we're encouraging you to listen to these words they're on podcast this is what God is speaking to this Holy Spirit is speaking to our church right now right now I I, I love Stephen Furtick preaching I love um, Brian Houston preaching I love um, loads of people preaching Bill Johnson all of these guys but I want to tell you I completely 100%, 110% believe God is speaking in our church, a word for our church, and we need to value what we have. Because as we value it, we draw it out more, and God puts a price upon it. So we need to put a price upon what we're hearing. And Jess did a magnificent job leading us through some pretty gnarly scripture. And um, she did an amazing job. And, uh, but what she came, in a sense, what the conclusion was, I want your heart, not your doing. I want conversation with you, not your practiced prayer. I want your obedience, not your sacrifice. I want your love and not your duty. I want your love, not your duty. Matthew 8, as we rejoin the story tonight, we find Jesus coming down the mountain with the crowds he had been teaching following him. See, Jesus was was used to ascending and descending mountains. I'll put it in better English. Jesus used to go up mountains and come down mountains. I'm a walking thesaurus. He went up mountains and he came down mountains. He seemed to go up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. See, we have a view of life that mountaintop living is, is desirable, if not to be chased after. And there's a truth in that, but we must never be addicted to the emotional high of the encounter. Let's make sure the one we're desiring to encounter is the one we give our heart to. 
we can give ourselves to a worship song and not the one who was the author of the worship song. Jesus ascended the mountain. He went up the mountain. He came down the mountain so he could be useful in the valley. This is just the first line of Matthew 8. It's going to be a long night. No, it isn't. Um, Isaiah 2 verse 3 says, Come, let us go up to the mountain of our God, to the the house of our God, and he will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths. He will teach us of his ways. We will walk in his paths. Let's go up to the mountain of God. Why? It wasn't so that they could walk in his paths at the top of the mountain. It was so they could go back down again and show the world the ways of God. Christians are sometimes the easiest people to become hostages to ideas, ideals, doctrines, and principles. I'll let that sink in. We get taken hostage by a thing rather than by the lover of our soul. We get taken captive by an idea or a principle or this is right and I'm going for... We get all crabby. We get taken hostage by these things. And we need to understand we, it's the lover of our soul that wants us. Not our principles, not our doctrine. He's not going to look at you and go, what did you believe about this, 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 this and this? You're out, Craig. What did he say in Matthew um, in the previous? He said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. See, what we need is a God-breathed word. We need a God-breathed word, the word that is going somewhere. Man shall not live by bread alone. That word means, that word is rhema. I'm going somewhere with this because I have to back up. But that word is rhema, a word spoken and breathed into. And that word, it says, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And that word proceed is Greek. It's ekperuomai. Say that. Ekperu. Oh my, now you can speak Greek. It means a word sent out with a specific purpose and destiny. This is not a word that falls to the ground. This is a word that takes a hold of your life, grabs you, and you run with it. And it runs with you. This is a rhema word of God. This is the price that was paid once and for all for us so that we no longer have to be hostage to our emotions. We no longer have to be hostage to circumstances. We no longer have to be hostage to failure or complacency, disappointment or regrets. We no longer have to be hostage to anything because Jesus paid for it all so that we could live in newness of life, in freedom. And he gave us a word that we could run with so we don't grab hold of principles and doctrines and all things, and although they're good, we have to understand he wants a people who love him, who know his heart, who want his heart, and they run with him in that. You see, the enemy is a hostage taker, and it doesn't matter how much you pay him, he's always going to raise the price on your life. They have this thing called Stockholm Syndrome, where the, the captive becomes in sync with the captor. And you know, sometimes we can be like that. 
Believers can be like that. They believe what the one who's held them captive for so long is saying when they should be listening to the one who came and set them free. He said that Jesus took captivity captive. We have to break our dependency on the hostage taker and align ourselves with the word of God, with God, and what he says about us. Amen? So Matthew 8, verse 1 to 3, it says, When he had come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and he worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately his leprosy was clean, cleansed. He was a leper. Listen, Matthew was a social outcast. So I think he could relate to the leper who was a medical outcast. See, but what I love about this, it's, it's like this leper. He sees Jesus coming down the mountain and he goes, I'm going after him because he's got life. And tonight, we're going to go after healing at the end of the service. But I want to change because Jesus is here. The Holy Spirit's here. And he's saying, come after me. Come after your healing. The leper saying, nothing is going to get in the way of my healing. See, it's not methods. It's not memorizing scripture. It isn't trying to not sin that brings healing. It's knowing God's heart for a broken and fallen world that still thinks it's under a curse. I love that the leper walked straight up to him. He was breaking so many laws. Think about it. When you came to Christ, you broke the law of sin and death by coming to Christ. Isn't that powerful? And this leper, he decided, I'm going after God. I'm going after this. I'm desperate. You know, if you're desperate for Jesus, you're going to break laws. You're going to break rules. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about getting in trouble with the police and doing dumb things and shoplifting from coals and, you know, I don't know what you do in your spare time. But boundaries and restrictions that the devil and religion has placed on your life If you're desperate for Jesus, those things are going to fall off. They fall off. The leper was emboldened by Jesus. This is powerful stuff. He sees Jesus coming towards him. And what's so amazing is he was not part of the crowd that was following him. Why not? Because they threw threw the leper out. They didn't want the leper near him. But he looked and he saw something in Jesus that he wanted. He sees and he goes... He looks at Jesus and he goes, I come alive in that river. I come alive in that river. I come alive in the river. The leper came alive in the river that was Jesus. And it emboldened him. And tonight we need to be a bold people because the access is not denied us. It is given to us for our healing. Amen? Who the Son sets free is free indeed. When he looked at Jesus, he said, that's the Son. I'm free indeed. I no longer have to be bound. I no longer have to be sick. I no longer have to have mental illness. I no longer have to have a rubbish marriage. I no longer have to have children that disobey me and are going their own path. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. Free indeed. And then... That's not just the, that's just the beginning. Something in him make, wants to worship the Son of God. Because in the, 
for the first time in however many years, and it was probably a long, long time, he found acceptance. He found acceptance, and you have acceptance tonight in Jesus Christ. You're thinking about, your, when I say that, some of you are thinking about the week and some of the things you've done or said or been with and looked at, but you have acceptance in the sun. You have acceptance in the sun tonight. He gets to worship. He experiences for the first time acceptance. People around Jesus were emboldened to cry out for more. And I want to tell you something, as a church, we should be emboldened to cry out for more. We're not on a train that's ta- called KCC that's just taking us on along the track. We're a people that need to cry out to God for more. Do we have it in Christ Jesus? Yes, we do, but we need more. We want more. We have to be a people that, are not, that don't just get saved, get healed, get our lives put back together, and we become all just these moral people that people cannot relate to. We need to be people that are crying out for God, for the presence of God, for the power of God, for the Holy Ghost in our lives, so that we are not seen as a monument, a church that's just another church on this street corner, but a place where people will come in. See, Jesus stirred up desperation, boldness, confidence, comfort, hope, and expectation. And this should be the experience for every man, woman, and child that walks through those doors, that they come in here and they experience the Holy Ghost leap in them. They feel the Holy Spirit of God come upon them. They know that they are called. And so even though they don't understand Scripture, they've never known what the Bible is, they hardly know who Jesus is except a swear word. And something comes upon them and they go, there is hope in this place. There's freedom in this place. There's acceptance in this place. There is love in this place. And it draws me so that I leave that old life behind and I run after Jesus. I came out of that grave. You came out of that grave. And they want to come out of that grave. So when they come through that door, let's make sure they know that they have access. To the Father, through Jesus Christ. Amen? Jesus made the Father accessible. And I've got on here. Access all arias. (laughs) That's great. It's been a big week. See, Jesus didn't leave us floundering to find access. So just think about it. Sometimes we go, oh, what's my will in, in my life? And gee, oh, I don't know. It's just so difficult. You ever feel like that, Dave? No. no. <laughs> he didn't leave us floundering. He gave us access to the kingdom of God. He gave us access to the throne room of God. He gave us access to the Father's love. Yeah. Romans 5. I know we're in Matthew, but Romans 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. It says that we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. This is not an uneasy truce. You know, there's been this Trump thing and Kim Jong-un, or whatever his name is, in Korea, North Korea, and they were talking about, they were talking about um, that there's been... The Korean War was in the 1950s, and there would never been an establishment of peace. There's just been a truce. And sometimes that's how we view Jesus and the Father, is I can upset him, and he's just going to blow me off the face of the planet. You are accepted 
in the beloved. You're accepted by the Father. This word peace, it means to bring prosperity and peace that comes to a nation when peace has been declared. That's what it means. You have prosperity and peace in Jesus Christ. That's what we have. This God is not suspicious of us. And we're not suspicious of him. It's his terms of peace. And in Matthew 10, verse 7, it says, As you go, preach this message. Heaven's kingdom realm is accessible, close enough to touch. This is what Jesus was saying. The kingdom of heaven is close at hand. You know, and the devil comes to us sometimes, and he says, you're not worthy. And do you know what you do? You pick up your past, the word of God. You pick up your past, the blood of Jesus Christ. You pick up your past, the death of Jesus on the cross. You pick up your past, baptism in the Holy Spirit, moving in the Holy Spirit. You pick up your past, moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. You pick up your past prayer. You pick up your past of worship. You pick up your past of praise. And you wave it in his face and you say, nothing is denied me. Nothing is denied me. Got it the wrong way around. Nothing is denied me. I've got an all-access pass. You have an all-access pass. This doesn't mean that you have to sit in the back of the room. It means you come right to the front. You sit at Jesus' feet. You allow him to touch you. You allow him to minister to you. Nothing separates you from Jesus Christ. You have an all-access pass tonight. When fear comes in, you have an all-access pass. When doubt comes in, you have an all-access pass. When you feel like you're dried up on the inside and you can't love someone, he gives you an all-access pass to his love because who the Son sets free is free indeed. And that freedom means that you have all of God, the heaven's bank account at your disposal. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit are given to us tonight. Nothing is held back from us. We have an all-access pass, church. And the leper, I know you're thinking, boy, he's going to have to run to get through three chapters. I have a trick up my sleeve. So the leper worships. I have to take my glasses off. This is what he did. And he put his face on the ground because nothing was going to stop him from getting noticed by Jesus. That word for worship means to lick the hand like a dog. I thought that's a really weird thing, but you know, I looked up why dogs lick their head with people's hands. It's to show affection. (laughs) We love puppies at KCC. And Kimmy loves cats. <laughs> We're praying for her. <laughs> Bringing it back. Um, that word means to show affection, to lick the hand like the dog. Why do they lick the hand? To show affection and to seek attention. There is nothing wrong in seeking the attention of God. I'm here, Jesus, help me. I'm here, Jesus, I need healing. I'm here, Jesus. My, ma- my mind isn't sound. My marriage isn't good. My kids are running amok. My job's lousy. I've got no finances. I'm here, Jesus. 
And I know some people hate that because they go, you shouldn't have to do that to God. You now, you don't have to beg. And no, of course you don't have to beg. But what he was saying is something in him worshipped. Something in him said, all hail King Jesus. Something in him leapt and he said, you're the answer to my needs. I don't care what, I don't care if I look stupid. I, I just worship you. Here I am. Here I am. See, we need God's stance on healing. And he, he says, if you are willing, and then Jesus gives a key, and I'm trying not to make it a method, because I know I'm just bad at this myself. You know, I get a method, oh great, I'll run with that. But the key was, if just very simply, I am willing. Think about it. Every disease, I am willing. Every situation, I am willing. You have an all-access pass. He is willing for you tonight. He's willing for us. See, the purpose of these chapters is not to analyze healing, but for us to understand that healing is the will of God. And sickness is not the will of God. Okay, there were 10 miracles in three chapters, nine of which were healing, and two of those nine were dealing with demonic possession, and one was the um, calming of the storm. Okay, I'm gonna, I am going to go through these quickly because I want to. Number one was the leper, which we just read about, Matthew 8, 1 to 3. Number two was the centurion's servant in Matthew 8, verse 5 to 9. He said, you speak your word, and he sent his word. He spoke that word, and that man was healed. The servant was raised up. That is powerful in itself, because he was under authority. He said, I'm, I know. He said, because I'm under authority, I just speak a word, and people do it. And if you speak your word, I know the Father's going to do it. And that's the same for you tonight. The same for me tonight. We'll pray for people. My word is powerful in my mouth because Jesus said so. Because he said, if you speak and you pray for people, they will be raised up. They will be healed. They will be filled with the Holy Ghost. It's the truth of God's word. Number three was Peter's mother-in-law. And Jesus saw her. And I love this. Because he went to Peter's house for food. Good man. He went for food. And of course he had to heal her because she was going to cook. But... And, but this really moved me because he didn't see something that he needed. He saw somebody who was in need. And he just, he, he was aware of his surroundings. Church, we need to be aware of our surroundings. There's a sermon in every one of these. Then he gets to the storm on the lake. We'll cover that one in a bit. Then he see in, uh, that was in 23, 27. Then in verse 28 to 34, two demonized men. And, you know, these demonized men, they had an authority over an area, a district, because they lived in a cemetery. And people were scared in the region to go near them. But they affected the whole region. You know, Jesus, being a good Jewish male, he wouldn't have liked pigs. But he casts the demons out, sends them into the pigs, and the pigs go down the hill and, and so on, and you know that story. But I love that he takes authority over the spiritual realm and he sorts it out. He sorts it out. Then number six, the paralytic was healed um, and there was forgiveness. And Matthew 9 um, verse, that's Matthew 9 verse 2 to 8. 
And it's beautiful because the friends bring him to Jesus. Then there's Jairus' daughter, number seven. And that's in verse 18 to 19. And we know that she's been, she's 12 years old and she passes away. And then Jesus gets delayed because of the woman with the issue of blood, who's number eight, the miracle number eight. And she goes for a sneaky touch from Jesus. And just a sneaky touch, and she gets healed. She broke laws. She wasn't clean according to the law. And she said, I don't care. I'm going to jump in that river. I'm going to come alive in that river. All hail King Jesus. Nothing's going to stop me. Then number nine, there were two blind men. And this is a great story. Because there's two blind men. They follow Jesus from, the, from a house. And they're sort of going, Jesus, Jesus, have mercy on us. And he, he, walk, he sort of, I don't know what he does. But it says he goes into another house. And then they come into the house after him again. And they go, Jesus. Then he heals them. There is something about persistence. Yeah, right. There's some things about grit as a Christian. Yeah. Right. There is something about grit and persistence. And I think we lose it. we're losing it sometimes. We get a bit flabby in the spirit. We don't do our sit-ups. In, in the spirit, no, we don't. But we get flabby. Oh, everything's against me. Nobody likes me. Nobody understands me. I'm preaching to myself. I'm never just preaching to you. There's times I feel like that. I'm misunderstood. And I get out my guitar and sing country and western. Yeehaw. My dog died. Anyway, number 10 was the mute demon-possessed guy. And this is a beautiful, this is beautiful, this one last one, because Jesus doesn't just steal, just heal. He, Jesus doesn't just heal, he restores whole worlds. He restores languages. He makes tongues to form words, because he wouldn't have been able to just open it out and speak, because his tongue could move. He would have had to have learned a language, and Jesus restored the lot to him. He restored his past into his mouth, if you like. And he made him whole. And I think that is such a beautiful thing. Because he never just goes, oh, you're healed, off you go then, sort yourself out. He does this whole restoration work. And I think we went around the room, we could all testify to that, that Jesus makes it right. You see, every knee in those... In all of those things I've listed there, every knee bows to the name of Jesus. Sickness, demons, storms, and death. Sickness, demons, storms, and death bows to the name of Jesus. Bow to the authority of Jesus Christ. Do you notice something? None of them were required to say sinner's prayers. Do I believe in the sinner's prayer? Absolutely, it's a great tool. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. He's after the heart. He's after the heart. 
You could say, well, he hadn't died, so they couldn't pray. Don't tempt me. <laughs> Actually, I don't have an answer. But um, no, seriously, though, it's so funny with the requirement we put on ourselves and on people. Leap through this hoop and Jesus will heal you. In these healings, we see the stopped in his tracks, Jesus, by people demanding that Jesus notice them. In these healings, we see the intervening Jesus, the master who noticed suffering and changed people's reality, Peter's mother-in-law. Jesus was aware of his surroundings. Family matters. It mattered to Peter, so it mattered to Jesus. We see in these healings the socially aware Jesus, the Savior going after the, the demon possessed because they couldn't ask help for themselves. Think about it. A lot of those demon possessed, they were going, keep away from us, Jesus. And if Jesus didn't have grit and stamina and, and persistence, he'd have gone, oh, I'm Jesus. Don't speak to me like that. But he saw a man or a woman, he saw their heart, he saw their life. And he went after them and he said, you come out of her, you come out of him. By the power of God. What God has put into me, he called it out of them. And he healed them. They couldn't ask for help, so he helped them. I love that. In these healings, we see Jesus with a schedule. He was going to the house and yet the two blind men persisted. And we must never be hostage to our schedule to stop to help others. We see Jesus not bound by time and distance. He sent out a word and the servant was healed. We see the compassionate Jesus touched by friends and family bringing a loved one for healing. We see the atmosphere setting Jesus, putting out the mourning and the mocking crowd from Jairus' daughter. He threw them out. It says in Matthew 9, verse 10, Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table that, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him. And they go, why, are your, why is the teacher eating with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. See, Jesus constantly claimed, I myself can do nothing. He moved in the power of the Spirit. And tonight, I can do nothing of myself. You can do nothing of yourself. But we have the Holy Ghost in us, and he's willing to move tonight. He's willing to move. He made himself available. Jesus made himself available. Everywhere he went, he was available. Are you available tonight? See, disease is a sickness of the body. Sin is sickness of the soul. And he, I don't have time to go into that, but in Psalm 103, verse 24, it says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, I'm forgetting all his benefits, who forgives all your sins, heals all your diseases. And you'll see all the way through the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the, the, the close connection between sickness and sin. Sin's pardon, disease is healed. Sin pardon, disease is healed. Sin pardon, disease is healed. That's how wide the compassion and love of our God is. He doesn't just heal you of your sin, he heals your body. Because he knows that that's what affects you most. When you're sick, if you're like me, you're sick and you know it. And it's all consuming. And he doesn't want us all consumed by sickness, he wants us all consumed by him. A storm comes up, 
We know in Matthew 8, verse 24, right in the middle of a healing spree. This storm comes out of nowhere. I was talking to Suzanne about the storms we have here sometimes. You know those ones that just go, bang! That's what this storm was like. Life didn't stop for Jesus just because he was being spiritual. We need grit and stamina. Life doesn't stop for us because we're being spiritual. It means that word storm actually can be translated earthquake. Things were being shifted. It means to quake with fear. The waves came over the top of the boat. He'd had a great preach. He'd seen people saved, healed, set free. And yet this storm came up. And yet he says, peace be still. It's not in the Matthew one, but we take it out of the other one, Mark. Peace be still, which means to close the mouth with a muzzle. He shut the mouth of the storm up. We need to shut up the mouth of the storm. We need to shut up the mouth of the devil. We need to shut up the mouth of our own mind sometimes. We need to shut up the mouth of those that will pull us down. We need to shut up the mouth of the friends that are toxic. In fact, just cut them off in a nice way, in a loving Jesus sort of way. Because you have all access, but that doesn't mean that everybody has all access to you. We are called to be wise. And you're co- it says in Proverbs, guard your heart for out of it are the issues of life. It's up to you to guard your heart. It doesn't mean become all precious and prissy and religious and, and so on. I can't, oh no, I can't deal with you. None at all. But there are some things you need to say no access and some things you need to say access and let them in. If I could get the band up, that'd be great. Thank you. But I do. I have no idea what I did, but... And with the act of calming the storm, Jesus showed his dominion over the elements the wind and the sea, the spiritual realms, the emotions and the fears, and physical bodies. And as soon as that, he dealt with the storm, he went back to healing. Nothing was going to stop him on the mission that he was sent. Don't let the storm put you off your mission. Don't let the storm put you off your destiny. You know, I'm, I'm not making this a doctrine, but sometimes I think, Destiny, I don't mind the word destiny, but I actually feel like we need to get back to some biblical stuff, which is the call of God on your life. Now, I know what destiny is, don't get me wrong, but don't let the storm stop you fulfilling the call on your life. Don't let age, whether young or old, stop you fulfilling the call of God on your life. It's just a storm. And it blew up out of nowhere, and it will go back to nowhere. But you will still be standing, and you will be the one that goes back to healing. You will be the one that goes back to taking the word of God out into the street. You will be the one that affects nations and towns and villages. You will be the one that affects your family. And that storm will be a distant memory. But if you keep reliving that storm, it's always going to be there. But if you tell it to shut up and shut its mouth, it's gone out of your life. Nothing will stop you. 
And so it says in Matthew 9, verse 35, finishing up, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Listen, he healed every disease and sickness. And there's people sitting here tonight going, I've been prayed for before and nothing happened, but he heals every disease and sickness. And I know we try to align our experience and we go, well, oh, maybe I'll, I'll just be healed in heaven. We don't understand the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. The kingdom of heaven is released on earth. And, you know, I, we're very open about our, our travel, our, our, the journey Heather and I went on, not having children and not being able to have children. And we had Fred and Gabby and that was wonderful. The thing is, I can't explain that, but I'm not going to allow it to ever stop me praying for someone to get pregnant who's having trouble. Because I could get all heard about that. I'm not, you know, I could, but I'm not going to. Why would I? The kingdom of God is advancing. It's not retreating. And we cause it to not advance when we get into our mind and we go, oh, yeah, but I'll put up with it. I don't mind my gammy leg. Don't put up with it. The kingdom of God is at hand. It means it's right here. It doesn't mean it's coming and you need to be frightened. It means the kingdom of God is at hand for healing. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. I know I've gone over five minutes. I'm going to ask for five minutes more. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. This is so important. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. We went to an amazing conference down in Adelaide this week. Absolutely amazing. And Phil Pringle was there and he shared. And it just really hit me. He says, you don't find Jesus saying, pray for revival. Now, hear me out. I know this is a great way way to end it. I love doing this. Because everyone goes, what does he say? Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. It's not the revival that's holding back. It's the workers who want to see the revival. Harvest was a time of hard work and celebration. The hard work has been done for us at Calvary. Maybe... As well as praying for revival, I should, I should go in the middle thing here. No, I won't really. Instead of praying for revival, why not pray for a church full of workers, full of the Holy Ghost and power? And let's see a revival. Let's be a revival. Let's be in revival. Stop telling God that we, he needs to send a revival. Be in revival. Be full of the Holy Ghost. That's revival. Matthew 10, 1 to 48. I'm not going to read it. It says, I love this in the message because he's talking about sending out um, people into the harvest. In, in the message, it says, Matthew 10, 1 to 4, the prayer was no sooner prayed than it was answered. Jesus called 12 of his followers and sent them into the right fields and he gave them power to kick out the evil spirits and to tenderly care for bruised and hurt lives. You are often the answer to your prayer. You are often the answer to prayer. Matthew 10, 1 to 4 in the New King James. When he called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease. Let's stand to our feet, please.
because the rest of that chapter, and I know there's a lot in the rest of the chapter, but basically what Jesus was saying to his disciples was, don't get distracted from the commission, from the call on your life. And tonight you may have got distracted from the call on your life. And Jesus wants to you to come to him and let him let you know that's okay. And you don't have to do something amazing to get back into that call, into that thing in your life. All you have to do is go, Jesus, I'm willing. Jesus, I'm just like the leper. I'm going to bow down. I'm going to worship. I'm going to put my head on the ground because you're worthy of it all. I want to jump in that river. And tonight, church, there are people here we, that need to jump in the river. We need to jump in the river. I'm going to say it again because we need to get excited. You need to jump in the river. There is a river flowing. It's the Spirit of God in this place. I don't have to stir it up. It's the truth of God. There is a river running through this place. And if you will jump in it, there is healing in the river. There is healing for the mind. There is healing for the body. There is healing for a life that's gone away from Jesus Christ. See, the wonderful thing about Jesus is he will work with any level of faith offered to him. He will work with any level of faith. There's examples of healing. There was people that had no faith. And that man that came to him and said, help me my unbelief. Jesus, there was a healing. There was no faith. Then there was little faith. The leper, if you're willing, like if it's possible, I know you could. Jesus said, I'm willing, and he healed him. There was no faith, little faith. And then there's a recording of great faith. The centurion, he said, I haven't experienced faith not in all of Israel. And he'd had a lot of experience with Israel from woe to go. And he said, just speak the word and it'll happen. So it doesn't matter where you're on the scale. You might have no faith. You might have great faith. But Jesus is the healer. You might have no faith. You might have great faith. But Jesus is all you need. You might have no faith. You might have great faith. But he's here tonight for us to jump in the river and take whatever we want because he's not holding back because you've got an all-access pass.